You are sacred and holy just the way you are. Hello and welcome to The Flame, a Unitarian Universalist faith-centered podcast providing voices and stories of hope, love, resilience, and community. Witness real conversations, ones that sometimes tackle challenging topics but in safe and brave ways. Whether you are a lifelong Unitarian Universalist, new to the faith, or this is the first time you are hearing of Unitarian Universalism, I welcome you just as you are. May the voices and perspectives that you are about to hear provide you with hope, love, support, and encouragement on your spiritual journey. This is The Flame. Hello and welcome to The Flame. Today I sit down with Credo Yu Yu, Joe Chapeau. Joe's pronouns are he, she, and they. Joe is the ministerial assistant at the Unitarian University Society of San Francisco, is the founder of Yon, the Young Adult Revival Network, and has been doing young adult ministry work in many capacities for years. And Yon is just the newest of these opportunities and these projects and crazy dreamings that Joe is getting involved in. Today's episode is a little bit different. It's not going to be necessarily a conversation between Joe and I, but really giving Joe a chance to share their story their love and their passion for Unitarian Universalism, the work that they have been doing, and all tying it in to the new Unitarian Universalist Young Adult Revival Network. So Joe, take it away. Very happy to be here. Hello to everyone listening. Um, So yeah, so my you story, I've told it several times, so I have a pretty, like, good narrative. But it starts all the way back in the 60s. So my father, John Chapeau, rest in peace, was raised French Catholic here in the Bay Area. Um, I'll just say now, I'm a fourth-generation San Franciscan. This is very rare to find someone like me. I've met a sixth-generation San Franciscan. Their family came on a covered wagon on, like, the Oregon Trail. Like, my father... my great-grandfather moved to San Francisco in 1918 uh, from France and um, was a baker, had kids, his kids had kids, and that's where my father comes from. And so the, he this is obviously a France, French Catholic family. But like many youth of the 1960s, he left the Catholic faith. Uh, just wasn't working for him, the dogma, the sin, and going to hell. I mean... It was the 60s, a very different time. Um, And I wanna be, and he became a hippie. And when I mean he became a hippie, I mean my dad is like an OG hippie. He turned 18 on April 30th, 1967. The next day, the summer of love started. And yes, he did live in the Haight-Ashbury. Have you ever heard of something called the human being? I have not. So the human being, if you get it, it's a clever play on words, human being, human being, was a seminal hippie event. It was in January 1967, and it was like, like, 
the Grateful Dead performed. Uh, who's who's a Allen Ginsberg like read? I think Howell allowed for the first time or something. Like this was a a basically it was a proto music and arts festival. Like later that summer, the Monterey Pop Festival, which is considered like the first music festival, was held, and like essentially that was like a commercial version of the Human Being. My dad was there. He went to it. It was a one-day event in January in San Francisco. Um, I bet he did drugs. I can't say exactly what, and I know I want to keep this podcast relatively tame. So the point is, is like he is like the an original hippie in like the truest sense of the word. And my mother is too largely. She's from the Midwest, and she was raised Russian Orthodox. One second. She was raised Russian Orthodox and, again, left that community. Uh, in fact, she dropped out of high school at the age of 17 and moved to the Bay Area because, like many youth, she wanted to be where the cultural action was. She wanted to be amongst the movers and shakers and leaders of, like, the youth. You know, these were largely youth and young adult movements of their era. Uh, so she ended up moving into a cousin's home and joined a hippie school. Didn't like it. So she dropped out of that and went to community college and managed to transfer into UC Berkeley without a high school diploma. She claims to be one of the last people who ever successfully pulled that trick off. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. So now in the, it's the late 70s and my mom's working as an accountant and she meets my father while they're both working at the Magic Theater. You ever heard of that place? That I have. Yeah, so like my dad, again, OG hippie like the magic theater was originally like had two stages and his best friend built one and he built the other one now unfortunately they didn't keep my dad's they kept his best friends because quite frankly he was just a better better at doing it but like my dad was like like one of the original carpenters for the magic theater my mom was uh in the worked in the box office basically selling tickets and doing accounting work and they met and hit it off. And um, and for those who don't know, like the Magic Theater is like a nationally renowned uh, uh, play, live theater. Uh, luminaries like Michael McClure had a long residency there, and Sam, the actor and writer Sam Shepard like premiered several plays there. Um, and so yeah, it, it you know again back in the seventies, much smaller, but like it was just a fount of cultural energy. That's where my parents met, and. Uh, they moved in together, and again, the point being, my parents, they are capital H hippies, and I, I'm a child, I'm absolutely an offspring of that entire culture. Like, I own it, it means a lot to me, I, it has a lot of, there's a lot I can criticize about it, but that's not why we're here today, but like, that is like, the cultural ooze that I come from, and so now we, yeah, so now flash forward to the 80s. My parents get married. Remember, my dad's family is French Catholic, and my mom's family is Russian Orthodox, so they had to find neutral ground to get married on. Um, does this sound familiar? I bet it does, because like a lot of you use, like, that's what happened, is like, my parents got married at the first, what was then called the First Unitarian Church of San Francisco. There are photos, I've seen them, it's, it, I remember like, later in life, like, realizing my parents like i kind of knew my parents got married there for a long time but like wasn't until i was in my 20s that i kind of like made the connection i was like 
Oh, I go to the church my parents got married at. So yeah, they got married there. Um, but that's that's it. And, uh, and now, let's flash forward again to the 90s. I'm 10, my sister is 6, and my father wanted me and my sister to have the kind of moral and ethical grounding that he got from the church. That was the thing he liked about Catholicism, is it gave him, like, a sense of, you know, right, you know, right and wrong, good and bad. And he wanted that for me and my sister. Just as that the dogma and the sin and the you're going to hell for existing, basically, parts of that of that move of that faith community. So he opened the yellow pages. Kids, ask your parents. Uh big book full of businesses and phone numbers. And he looked up what was then called what's now called the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. And the thing that attracted him to the faith was it advertised um, a service, like the Sunday service, like they had a, a youth service that was like separate from the adult one. Cause he just, that was the thing. He did not want to subject me and my sister to the, the experience he had of like having to sit through a really long Sunday service that like wasn't designed for, with children in mind. That you were just kind of expected to tolerate, basically. Uh, and so, yeah, he brought me and my sister there. Um, and I, at first, I didn't, I didn't quite like it. I mean, I, I liked it, but it was a little bit of rough for me at the beginning, mainly because I didn't have anyone in my grade level. Almost every class I took, I came in there in like fifth grade. I was always partnered with people who were like a grade above or a grade below me because there was almost no one ever at my grade level. So I did enjoy it. I, I mean, I made some, fr I made friends, like people that I still think highly of, or at least like if I saw them on the street, it, I would be like, oh, great to see you. In fact, some of them I see every year at Christmas because their families come and they're in the town for Christmas. Um, but it wasn't really, it was like, you know, I was just going and it was kind of like, okay, the thing that really changed my experience of Unitarian Universalism, what made me go from like, this is kind of cool. Cause like, I had no faith upbringing otherwise. My parents, the most of what I got from what I learned about faith, like I, I described like that television show, The Rugrats was like really good about making episodes about various like Bible and Jewish stories and like giving them a respectful telling. Um, but that's like, yeah, like that's where I learned. I, I, and of course I'm American. So like Christianity is just in the air here. What made me go, yes, I am a UU. I'd love this community and I'm gonna do this is when I started attending the regional youth conferences in high school. Now, to tangent just a slightly, um, this was back in the day. First of all, this is when we had districts. I'm not going to explain now, but like back in the day, the United States was broken up into 19 districts. Now there's five regions. And my district, and this is kind of notorious out on the West Coast, like we are often the last people to do something. Um, and so when I started attending the Wiry Youth Cons, we still had the original age range, which was 12 to 22. Now, in nowadays, I can kind of see like, okay, 22 is really high. But back then, that's what it was. And I started going to these things. And 
it changed my life, Roddy. Like, it... I was a anxious kid in high school. I had, like, a really strong friend group in... Actually, this is, like, in middle school. I had a really strong friend group in elementary school. And I lost them all in middle school. It's kind of a whole story. They bunch of them ended up forming, essentially, a white gang to take on a local... A, a, like, a, this is neighborhood level, like an Asian high school gay. It's like insane, that story. And I still can't believe it's true to this day, but it's pretty much what happened. So, and I was just like, this isn't cool guys. Like I have not no part of this. And I lost all of them as friends. Um, plus, you know, middle school sucks, man. Like, I'm sorry, are you kids listen to this right now? If you're in middle school, I feel you. And if you're not, I'm sorry, it's coming up. It's going to be one of the roughest periods of your life. Um, so then I was kind of like, especially at the beginning of high school, I had like almost no friends. And yes, I had the church, but again, like the kids I was with were like older than me. So it was, it was a little harder to connect with them. Then I started attending those regional youth conferences and I met all these people and in an environment that was just nothing but love and acceptance. And here I am, awkward, friendless, like super anxious, pubescent me. Like, I'm already a lot of energy. Like, just imagine, like, this times, like, a hundred and, like, way out of control. It's bad. Um, but this community just, like, it, it's... God, this is why I love Unitarian Universalism. It just lets people be themselves in, like, a really, truly radical way. Especially the youth stuff. Like, man, like, all this, like, queer movement that's going on the last few years, like, trans, right? All the visibility, like... I knew about all of this when I was, you know, 12 and 13. Trans, I mean, granted, trans wasn't really a huge thing, but, like, gen being genderqueer and gay and, like, all of that was, like, normalized in the YRU community. And, like, that alone right there was, like, so liberating for us, especially as we were youth. Like, we were, we're discovering our sexuality. We're discovering what it means to, you know, be attracted to someone. And these were really safe spaces. And they also provided the opportunity to to be leaders. I should say, for those who don't know, these are like weekend church retreat, like retreat at a church. Bunch of kids. Again, this is like 12 to 22. Eventually, it was shrunk down to 14 to 20. But they would, we'd meet on Friday night to a church, do our thing Friday, Saturday night, and Sunday morning, go to the service, and then leave that afternoon. Um, and... They were entirely planned and run by the youth. The adults have a very specific job, which is to not do anything. They are advisors. They don't, they're not in charge. They're not responsible for actually like anything in the like legal framework. It's all youth led. And that was what was incredible. Cause I can very distinctly remember at the age of 14, I went to one of these events and it was the elections conference, the one where we like elect a, what we call uh, the council that like put on these events. And there was another youth there who was my age and she got elected. Her name was Chelsea Waite. And I just remember seeing, like realizing like, wow, this person's my age, like, and they're on the council. That's, um, that's amazing. Like, I wanna be that cool. I want to be that like awesome. I want to be, a, and it's that was like one of the truest moments of inspiration I had to like get involved in Unitarian Universalist leadership. 
and a year later I did. And I served on that committee for five years, I, I guess. Yeah, probably right up in, from 15 to 20, basically, right up until I aged out. And so, yeah, I did all the things. I helped, like, run event. Like, I was a dean for a number of these conferences. I I was part of the the planning team for a week-long summer camp that we started doing again. Um, it's where I really cut my teeth in community organizing, basically. And uh, wouldn't trade any of those memories for the world. I mean, just like, if I see anyone from that community, there's a level of relatedness that's like, like, it's so incredible. It's like, oh yeah, it's this person. I love this person. Like, yeah, sure, they're older, but man, like, we had all the fun times back in the day. Um, and there was strife, too, because as I mentioned, 12 to 22, huge age range. We were the last district to have that age range. The argument was, like, the older youth mentor and train the younger youth, and it worked. And as far as I'm aware, there wasn't any issue around sexual impropriety. Like, the older youth understood that, like, legally, like, don't do anything with the younger kids because you're gonna like expose yourself to incredible legal jeopardy otherwise uh along with the entire program but the uua was coming down hard on the pcd pacific central district to change this um and this is where i really had my first exposure to like the uas like heavy-handed tactics in terms of like when they want change this is my experience of the ua and to anyone who works there like, please know, I don't have any issue with you specifically, but with the institution and the culture, which is they want change, they get the change, and there's no negotiation. The worst part about it, they gave us the veneer of input. They were like, yeah, we're going to have a meeting to discuss this. That was not a meeting to discuss it. It was a meeting to basically tell us this is going to happen and you don't have a choice in the matter. And that's what really hurt, basically, is like... If you had just come down and said, this is going to happen and you don't have a choice, I would have hated it, but it wouldn't have hurt as badly as, God, I can still remember the meeting that, that like we had with the PCD staff and just like, they were just stringing us along the whole time. They never at once actually wanted to entertain our thoughts and opinions. They just wanted to appease us to, and then just tell us like, this is still going to happen. And it was largely because this is again, this is like the mid two thousands, and this is when the cat, the sex abuse, child sex abuse scandal of the Catholic Church was starting to like, like really like explode, like it was like going off everywhere. The lawsuits were coming down, so the insurance companies were getting really like edgy about hey, like youth programming, like you better be safe about it. So, so yeah, that was that was it was really rough. And eventually we did change the age range. And I mean, this, the long and the short of that is like, I aged out of that community. And a couple years after I aged out, that community formally like broke away from the district um, and from the UA structures. So like there's still ongoing strife and animosity between the regional YRU program and like the formal structures of Unitarian Universalism. Um, but that's a conversation for another day. So, like I said, I aged out, but I cut my teeth. I learned how to, like, organize events, how to, like, work on a committee, do politicking, essentially, you know? 
um, negotiate with higher powers, like all these things, like foundational learning that I'm using today with Yarn, basically. But with the age range change, our biggest concern was, hey, like the, the, the advantage of the 12 to 22, again, the older youth meant to the younger youth. Well, if suddenly it's 14 to 20, and especially like 18, 19, 20, like people are often moving away for college. Look, this is a very white and upper class community. Let's just be frank here, people. Um, so this is a huge concern of ours. So when the age range changed, we were like, okay, we're going to start a middle school version of Why Are You? Like, let's just do the same thing. So we have like a feeder program, something that like gives middle schoolers a chance to like do like Why Are You level leadership so that when they come in, they're already like, yeah, I can put on an event, I cook, like, etc. The only difference is like, rather than like all youth leadership, it's uh, adult youth partnership. Every staff role had a adult and a youth in it. And, and I was like, one of the, essentially my friend, Jason George was the one who like really spearheaded that initiative. But I was like one of the people who was like, all right, man, like you're leading this, like I will show up and do whatever you need me to do. I'll be one of those youth. And I went to like probably the first 10 or 12 of those events over the course of three or four years. We call it mugs. It's still active today, I believe. And I might be wrong, but I believe it's still technically a part of the of like formal use structures in the district. Um, it might, I'm pretty sure it is, uh, if, if it might've broken away, um, but it's still going. And I always love it when I'm like talking with DREs and other like parents and they're like, oh yeah, my kid goes to mugs. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I helped start that program with my friend Jason. So, so that program, huge success, love it to pieces. Um, and I was doing that for several years. I was also involved in the regional young adult community. So like many you youth, around 18, I stopped attending my church, partly because I moved out of San Francisco for a couple of years, but also because like, I didn't really care about going to Sunday service at the end of the day. It wasn't really doing a lot for me. Um, and like most of you young adults, it's like outside of the Sunday service, like why else am I here? What, what, is, what is my point? Like, I'm not getting anything out of this. And this is kind of an ongoing problem we'll, we'll get back to. So, but like I said, middle school program was still doing that, obviously with the mostly like, why are you advisors and my friends who are aging out of why are you? As well as like, we started doing young adult conferences again. So like, this is a this is another whole thing. I mean, my understanding of the regional like bear when I say regional, I'm talking like Bay Area plus like Northern California and Reno, Nevada, because we had friends out there. Um, and so there had been like two other iterations of regional young adult conferences before my group started doing them. Uh, and like, okay, and and we, unfortunately, a very common thing is they kept, we're doing conferences and then the community just kind of fizzled out. And that happened two times before and we started doing it again. We were like, we're not gonna let it happen. Now, unfortunately, spoiler warning, at this point, it's fizzled out again. It makes me sad, but fortunately we have yarn. So we'll get to that. 
But I was doing that too. So like after YRU, do the mug stuff and do the young adult planning stuff. Cause I'm just like, this is this is what I love doing. And man, for a couple of years, like, like I remember like one March, I think it was in high college, like 20, 2009, eight maybe. There was like every weekend I had a like, do you retreat thing. I had like a training, a mugs thing, a young adult thing. And then I think I might've still been wire you. I don't know, like it was crazy. I was doing it all the time. It essentially was my social life basically. Um, and I had a home life too, but I'm not going to get into that. So I'm doing that for years, going through my 20s. I mean, uh, separate from all that, I'm like having my own spiritual journey. I lived with a bunch of preachers and a priestess. I got involved with this really pretty gnarly hippie lady up in the Sierra Nevada and had a great time with her. Lived in Hawaii like moved around a lot studied out different faith communities and traditions read like a really bad self-help book just out of curiosity um and so like about 2013 14 i moved back to san francisco and um i'm like okay i'm going to go to college and like settle down like get a career going started going back to my local congregation you san francisco and um I was like, okay, what, what is, uh, you know, what's going on here? Oh, there's a little bit of a young adult community here. I just started hanging out with some folks. And there was a person who was organizing events for young adults. I was like, that's cool. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to college, just kind of living my life, not really sure what's going on. Uh, I end up meeting a woman in 2014 who later becomes my wife. And... Uh, and then it's like summer 2015. I'm halfway through my, um, I'm, at, yeah, I'm at UC Berkeley, like my mother, and I'm halfway through my um, time there. I, I went to community college and transferred in, so I just finished my junior year. I'm taking summer classes and got my senior year coming up. And uh, the person who was organizing the, these events, Molly Johnson, was, um, uh, was like, hey, like I'm leaving my role here in San Francisco their role had been youth and young adult coordinator. Pro tip, don't do that. It doesn't work. Youth are completely different from young adults. So she had told her boss and superior, like, we need to separate these two roles. And initially she reached out and was like, hey, I got this youth coordinator position. I think you'd be great for it. And I was like, that's cool. But what about that young adult position, actually? I'm kind of more interested in that. She's like, oh, yeah, totally. So... July 2015, I started working at UU San Francisco as the Young Adult Coordinator. Five hours a week. That was all I had. And the way I say it, tell the story goes like this. I got hired and then was told, all right, figure out your job. And I was like, what am I doing? And I still remember my first event. We organized a just a hangout at a food truck thing here in San Francisco. And I remember it because a young woman named Sarah came and was like, are you Joe? And I'm like, oh yeah, like my name's Joe. Are you here to like hang out with the young adults? Like, yeah, this is my first time. I still know her to this day. She's actually a good friend. She's closer with my wife and one of my other friends than me at this point. It's hilarious. But she was the first, she was at my very first event and we had a good time. I still have photos from that event. And yeah, so I started doing this. Five hours a week, what does that mean? Sunday mornings and a couple events a month. And that's all we were doing for years. But over the years, like the hours kept expanding. Five became seven and a half, became 10, eventually became 15. 
And then in 2018, November, they were like, hey, we have another position here that's new one. And it's basically, it was the ministerial assistant position. And it's basically a bucket job. It was like, we need to pay someone to do a whole bunch of random administrative things and no one else here has the bandwidth and or is paid too much to do this stuff, basically. And, and like, let's just be clear, I'm not being elitist. It's like literally like the senior minister is like so busy. They need help with like ordering paper, right? So I got hired on to that position and that was then I started working at the congregation full time. So that's kind of my story basically. Like that I got these, I still work there. I'm a young adult coordinator. I'm the ministerial assistant. And um, these days I run the ministries and then I do projects. I work a lot on like membership development, which is awesome. I love doing that. Uh, and then of course they still do administrative things. I was just filling out a credit card report for the senior minister um, earlier this morning. So that's my story. But Marty brought me on to tell you about the story of the Young Adult Revival now. And we only have 10 minutes left. There should be enough time. So, you know, I'm doing all this stuff out here in the Bay Area and California. But I was aware as a youth, like, there's like a national program, right? The UA does some stuff. There were these things called Opus and ConCon. And I was like, by the time I kind of finally was like, old enough and ready to like look into it like none of it existed except opus was going for a while but even that died off so i was like what, what what's the deal like there were these national programs right like like what happened to them where's all the infrastructure where's the community i want to connect with other people who do what i do like maybe not in a professional capacity but at least like who else is running a youth group a young adult group at a congregation i want to talk to them because, like, I, I've had spent a couple of years doing this job, figuring this stuff out. I can tell you it does and doesn't work at this point. So, I was thinking about this for a long time. I was like, where? Man, what's going on? Like, there's just nothing. And so, finally, I was like, I want to do something about this. I want to just find out what the heck is going on. And I'd finally gotten old enough and smart enough to be like, I'm not going to do this for free. Like, I have seen enough UUs get burnt out because they didn't, you know, they they volunteered to do a huge project and they gave it their total heart and compassion, but they never really put any thought into, like, what's it going to mean over the long run? And I was like, oh, no, no, like, we need money. Like, I'm not doing this for free. I'm going to do this in my capacity at my job. And so I, I actually, initially, I applied for a $7,000 grant to the UA office of what was then the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry, because they had a grant program. I got a very kind message back saying, our grant fund is like two to $3,000, and our grant amounts are usually just a couple hundred bucks. We really appreciate this, but you should probably go talk to the UA funding program because you're asking for several thousand dollars. So I did. And I filled out in the early 2019, I filled out a grant application to the U funding program. And uh, thanks to the big help from my staff, it was a huge thing for me to do at the time. It was very capacity pushing. Uh, and I sent it off and just kind of waited. And then all of a sudden, in June, I get a, I mean, I had an interview and 
it looked like it was going well. And then in early June, I got the message. And they were like, hey, guess what? We're awarding you $8,000 for this thing that you are calling the Young Adult Ministry Initiative, which was a project to, quote, initiate, unquote, a conversation about young adult ministry. What's going on? What happened? And I was like, great, I got money. So I put the, I went to GA that year and I put the word out. I was like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Like we're gonna like have this like national, we're gonna like do a project to like kind of like have a national network again or whatever. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I got two people involved. One was named Jamie Doherty, who is semi-connected to Yarn still. And the other one's Yvonne Marcoux who is uh, still on the, the yarn steering committee. And we basically didn't know what we were doing, but we kind of knew, I knew one, I wanted a newsletter to like summarize young adult ministry opportunities. Two, I wanted to connect with other young adult group leaders. Like anyone who's deleting young adult ministry stuff, I want to like meet them. And that's all we knew, that's all we knew what to do. It was slow going at first, you know, $8,000 sounds like a lot, but it's ultimately not. It's like a couple hours a week. And of course I have a full-time work that I have to manage as well. So we're kind of going along, trying to meet people, connect with people. Eventually I start talking with like Stevie Carmody at the UA and Casey Stainsby at this Canadian Unitarian Council. These are people who do young adult ministry for their respective organizations. And um, like every story, March 2020 comes along and the pandemic happens. And so like immediately Casey and Stevie and I just start meeting like weekly to be like, all right, how do we support the young adults? What do we do? Now that March, I was actually gearing up to run a um, in-person young adult conference. I hadn't attended for a few years. I largely, I, st I stopped doing the middle school stuff when I got hired at USF. I stopped doing the young adult stuff partly because I got married and wanted to spend time more time with my partner um, and said was doing was just doing the church stuff that was like I got back involved with the regional young adult community and was like hey like I love this let's do this again we were planning a conference in March that got canceled because of COVID right safety and whatnot well one of my friends reached out to me in early April last year and was like hey like why don't we do this conference online and I was like, uh, duh, let's do it. Put the word out and just like, you know, young adult from Tennessee reaches out to me and he's like, hey, I want to help with your conference. And I was like, okay, Roddy, sure. Why not? Join the team. Like I'm taking all, taking all covers over here. And so basically the Young Adult Ministry Initiative pivoted from this kind of like networking with young adult leaders to like direct ministry. Did Conline One, huge success. It was just incre incredible event. Roddy ran the worship for it. It was so awesome, people. And um, and I remember Ivy also joined. She was one of the first people helping me out because Ivy was like going to run an event at a summer camp and was like, I need a new opportunity. So yeah, we were like, great, this is awesome. We have some traction here. We had, you know, we had some brand name recognition and more importantly, a Facebook and mailing list. Um, and so we're like, all right, let's do stuff for GA. Well, GA comes and the Commission on Institutional Change Report comes out. And in there is a line that I've committed to memory that goes, 
A tragic, a tragic and indefensible fact is that we have defunded our national youth and young adult youth leadership and young adult programs. And that was the moment where we that like it confirmed our worst fears. The UA had defunded its young adult programs and broke whatever promises it made to build new ones. Like just straight up failed the young adult community hard hard like just completely and utterly like failed us you know and, and to this day like it's the big open wound between us and the ua is like well how can we trust this institution that is so clearly like let us down and so yeah we used the energy of that report ga to like get a new team together it was 17 at the beginning and uh, over the summer, we had a number of conversations and eventually created this thing called the Young Adult Revival Network. And that's what we're doing. We're rebuilding the Unitarian Universalist Young Adult Network here. We're doing what the UA failed to do. And we're never giving it back to them. This is ours now. It's always going to be a young adult owned and led thing from now on. And that's what our promises to you. So that's my story. That's the story of Yarn. And uh, thanks for having me on here, Roddy. Yeah, of course. And I think one thing that you said about Jan is really important to note. And that is that this whole idea came into being just about a year ago now. And I encourage everyone to go check out the website. It's uuyan.org and see what has happened in a year's time and it'll blow you away and so i know that we are out of time today but i do want to say briefly that joe has agreed to come on and do a uu news piece which we are hoping to start next week also i am planning to connect with some of the yarn steering team members that joe mentioned and this isn't going to be the only time that you hear about yarn the Young Adult Revival Network, or this crazy new road that we find ourselves in. So again, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to working with you more along the way. Thanks, Roddy. It's a huge pleasure to work with you. We complement each other very well. Keep up the good work, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Flame with Joe Chapeau, founder of the new Unitarian Universalist Young Adult Revival Network and Ministerial Assistant at the Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. If you like this episode or other episodes of The Flame, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and your loved ones as we are building community together sharing stories, and inspiring future and current generations of Unitarian Universalism. Again, thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.